Folks, Armin Hammer here. The following is an interview that I had with a man named Corey Allen. Now, you probably don't know who Corey is, but here's the general story. Corey owns CrossFit Batcave in York, PA. He found CrossFit while he was in prison on drug dealing charges. He spent a good stretch of time in prison and was introduced to fitness and CrossFit while he was you know, doing time and as he sort of learned more about the methodology and it had a more positive impact on his life, he reached out to CrossFit HQ, developed a relationship with people at CrossFit HQ, eventually got his level one, and now owns an affiliate. And Corey has not just an interesting story, and he tells it, obviously, to much better depth and more interesting than I just told it there as the sort of cliff notes, but he has an interesting perspective on how things are going, both from the affiliate owners side of things of trying to reopen, trying to get your business back online, as well as the perspective of, you know, an African-American male, small business owner who has his own gym, his own community, a diverse community at that. Uh, we get into sort of the demographics of, of who he's serving in his community. We talk a little bit about his thoughts about this whole Greg Glassman situation and CrossFit as a whole, like everything that's happened in the past five or six weeks, all this insanity. And we also talk a little bit about Batman because you don't name your gym CrossFit Batcave without being a huge fan of the Dark Knight. Check it out. I hope you guys enjoy. I'll see you guys very, very soon. Corey, sir, thank you very much for taking the time to come out here and, and digitally come out here, I guess, and, and hang out <laughs> and talk a little bit. Uh, it's, it's cool to actually get to, to talk to you because I've watched some of the content that you've done, some of the interviews that you've, you've been in. Uh, we got connected through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jordan Holland, who I've done a, an interview. I did like a really uh, cool interview with uh, back at the beginning of this entire series of, of, I don't know, like on the scale of like series of unfortunate incidents to like the world burning down. It's like somewhere in the middle, in the middle. Of that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people I think aren't going to be familiar with you or, you know, what you do. So like, I'm going to go, you're a big fan of Batman, obviously. Uh, yeah, you got, you got two, not just one, but two bat symbols <laughs> behind you, right? You're a big fan of Batman. You own a CrossFit Batcave in York, PA, and, uh, you've been an affiliate for how long? Almost two years. It'll be two years in October. Okay. Two years in October. And so, new guy, <laughs> new guy. Yeah. New guy to the block, but not necessarily. Cause you've been doing CrossFit for, you know, like four or five years at this point. Is that right? Now it's been, well, so <laughs> I hate to like dive into backstory, but like five, five years, legit CrossFit. And then there's like what happened previous to the five years. So there was something that I called CrossFit, but which was never like a real thing. Uh, it was just learning on the fly. Uh, probably like how everyone started to learn about CrossFit and just kind of was doing it without even understanding the methodology in the beginning. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I was, where I was a few years even before this, but uh, yeah, I was in prison. So yeah, so that, that's, that's, I, I wonder, give us, give us kind of like the rundown of what that experience was like of just just finding CrossFit like what was the path to you finding finding CrossFit okay so without going 
too far into detail. Obviously, I did some prison time. I've done a few different stints in prison, all for drug-related offenses, never any violence or, in, you know, any, any crime I've ever committed was, you know, I sold drugs. I sold drugs as a kid from 14 until into my 30s. Um, so the last time, <laughs> which has the most relevance here, um, the last time I did like almost six years and probably at the first two months, I had to go to the doctor. I was waking up all times of the night, having to use the bathroom. I couldn't see like out of my eyes, like visual, like blurry. And so these were all signs of like diabetes. So then the doctor in prison was like, hey, we're probably going to have to put you on some form of insulin if, the, if your blood sugar doesn't change. Because they did a little prick needle test in my blood. Blood sugar was abnormal. It wasn't quite there, but I do have history of diabetes in my family on both sides. Um, so pretty alarming at that point. And then I realized that I had to make some change. So I kind of reached out to some guys that I was in prison with who used to work out all the time. And I asked for like nutrition advice. <laughs> and the advice was something like, don't eat anything white and you'll be okay. Meaning like bread and rice and, you know, basically carbs, um, which led to me starving myself because in prison, all the, all the fuck they give you are carbs. Um, but then I started doing these workout routines with them and just basic stuff, you know, running, jumping jacks, you know, calisthenics. And I, so that was like in the beginning, but then as I transitioned to another facility um, through the NAACP, I was able to create a fitness program. Um, and that was because a buddy of mine was the president of a prison chapter. And I had at that point met some guys that were, that were doing CrossFit or at least attempting to do CrossFit. Uh, first workout I ever saw was a workout called Annie, a good friend of mine, Steve Kaysen. Shout out Steve, man. Love you, brother. <laughs> Steve, uh, I became a friend with in prison and his cellmate, Chris. Um, they were really into fitness and they were, there's like guys that deserve to be in prison. And then there's guys like, what the fuck are you doing here? And those two were like one of those or two of those guys that had no business. I mean, they, they had, they, they did what they did, but they just didn't fit in and they were really weird and different from everyone. So when I saw their workouts, which was different than everyone else's, um, I wanted in. So through that, me wanting to learn about CrossFit, they gave me some books and some other materials to kind of look at. Um, and it was different. I'm ADHD. I'm all over the place. And to have to do anything routine, when they say routine is the enemy, routine is definitely my enemy. Um, so it, it stuck, man. Um, I, got my, I got my ass kicked. I didn't know how to do double unders. I could barely jump rope. Um, I never thought that sit-ups sit would be that challenging. But when done appropriately, they can be. Um, yeah, and, and that's kind of like how it began. From there, we formed a committee in the NAACP, a Fit for Life committee, and the prison allowed us to uh, raise funds through the organization, and then you'd have to give up 51% to charity outside of the prison, like St. Jude's and some of the other places, uh, Wounded Warrior Project, we like donated money, so we would sell goods in the prison. And then we could allocate some some resources towards things that we wanted to do in the prison, and I think the budget for my committee was about 5%. That was dedicated for fitness. And we just ran fitness challenges and programs. And then we started to learn about the methodology of CrossFit and applied it in a program. We just couldn't call it CrossFit. Sure. So we all did this thing of drawing straws to reach out to other organizations. We wanted to shift away from being like the NAACP because there was this whole 
connotation of like, you had to be uh, black and my friends weren't. And there was a lot of pushback because my committee was, you know, it was very diverse. <laughs> um, and a lot of guys were like old school, set in their ways. Prison's like a really divided, like it, it looks far worse than what the country looks like now. Um, you come in, you're either a certain religion, a certain color, or a certain gang, and that's how you're divided or certain sexual orientation, obviously. Um, so we wanted to kind of branch out because we wanted to make our thing completely about fitness and because we didn't give a shit about the politics of prison or even the politics of the outside. We knew that fitness was changing our lives in a way. It brought us together where we probably wouldn't be friends because we had those differences of our race. Um, and this thing united us and we wanted to do it. So I got to, we basically drew straws and I got to write CrossFit headquarters and Haley Matassian, that's Seven's wife, reached out to me. I never thought that she would. She reached out to me, said, hey, we think that's cool and inspiring what you guys are doing in there. You have no equipment. We want to come in, maybe shoot a documentary, show you the movements. Um, but the prison wouldn't let it happen. But I stayed in touch with Haley for maybe two and a half years, I think. She would write me just, you know, every now and then just updating on the progress or trying to make it happen. Um, when I got out, um, they sponsored me for a gym, introduced me to Gary Roberts, and they did a, uh, well, they were trying to do a series just documenting me getting out of prison and how uh, CrossFit helped me um, as I transitioned into like regular life. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. So Gary followed me around. It never happened. CrossFit Media got disbanded. So that project was gone. But um, I met all these interesting people that I never would have met before if it wasn't for my journey with CrossFit. So when I, when I was released from prison five years ago, I joined CrossFit Collective in Lancaster, PA. And um, that owner sold me. And then I became uh, very good friends, like almost a brotherhood with a lot of the people there that under any other circumstance, you couldn't tell me that I would be hanging out with cops and firefighters and veterans and doctors and nurses and lawyers and all these like, you know, so-called prominent people that I never had the opportunity to be around because I was on the wrong side of life. Um, but it put me in front of those people. And through those experiences, um, I think we all learned a lot about each other. Um, and that opened up a lot of doors for me, man. And I mean, here you are five years later, um, <laughs> I, I own a gym um, and I get to do what I love to do every day. I, I really love that story because to me, it highlights a lot that we have in common in terms of CrossFitters, right? It's like, everyone has the story of when they got bit by the bug. And it sounds like you have two versions of that story. Like the first version is you did the workout, you did Annie and you're like, what the hell is this? I can't believe I could be so bad at something as simple as skipping ropes and doing sit-ups. Yes. And that, that sort of like, you know, triggered something in your head. And then there's the other side of it where you walked into like a CrossFit affiliate, CrossFit collective, and the community side of it triggered in your head as well. Even though you had been sort of trying to create that while you were, you know, discovering the methodology and, and you know, in prison, you're trying to create that sort of fitness community at the same time. It's interesting to see both ends of that occur. And I think it's very common. Like I think both those things for people who kind of jump into this and um, like I didn't really, when I started crossing, I didn't really play any sports. I ran in high school. I played baseball growing up, like little, little league. Um, 
So the idea of being fit was never in the cards for me. And it was really interesting to me to like chubby little kid walking into a gym and seeing a bunch of people doing pull-ups and snatches and muscle-ups. And I was like, man, that's not for me. I'll never be able to do that. And yet here we are 12 years later, 10, 10, 11, 12 years later, I've been doing it, you know, regularly ever since. And so I think, I think that type of, you know, bit by the bug story is super, super common. And it's also strangely topical right now that you're talking about how, you know, your crew, like your fitness group, your committee in prison was like the most diverse part of prison. It was the most diverse aspect of, of your experience there. It wasn't divided by, you know, race or religion or sexuality or uh, gang or anything like that. It was just like, hey, are, are you interested in being fitter? Let's get in on this action together. Absolutely. And now in sort of this really heightened day and age of, of it feels like division is, is being even more aggressively pushed into people's lives. Like, do you feel that let's like diving right into it. Like, do you feel like CrossFit is not a diverse or is a, like an anti-diversity type situation? Like is CrossFit too white? Is it like built to be for white people? I, I don't think, I don't think CrossFit is built to be for anyone that, you know, I, I think CrossFit is built for anyone that wants to have a better quality of life. Uh, I don't think that your race matters, where you come from, what you've done. I mean, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm the epitome of that, right? Talk about second chances. Um, I think there, there is a lack of diversity and a lot of it just depends on where you are. Like, obviously, if you're in, if you're on a box in Montana, well, you're not, you're not going to expect to see much diversity, right? So I think that's an issue. I think another issue is that when it comes to CrossFit and what would be diverse areas or inner cities, they're just, a lot of those gyms just don't market towards people. Um, they'll, an example is I spoke to a guy that owns a gym here. He's also a minority business owner. Um, it's not black, but a minority. And we were talking about this issue of diversity and he was saying, well, Hey, I think I'm going to have this cool sponsorship program. And this is before CrossFit did their thing. Um, but we're going to have this cool, I want to have this sponsorship program where we're going to offer uh, discounted or free memberships to, to people out in the community. And then I'm, all, I'm like, Oh, that's a cool idea. Maybe that'll get more people in the door. But then when I saw his post on social media and the website well all the faces there were white so i don't think that that would be welcoming as much if you're talking about kids that grow up in their inner city and they have these negative ideas like with all the stuff that's going on now you have these negative ideas and then there's these people saying hey come join us and there's just not a lot of faces that are similar to theirs like on the flip side like and, and i don't know you obviously but if if you were on the other side and every face was black, I think you'd kind of question that a little bit. Like, do I really belong here? Can I fit in? So I think there's a lack of marketing towards minorities, especially even when you talk about the games. Um, everyone talks about Matt, Tia, you know, all the, but no one's talking about easy. You know what I mean? Like they don't tell those stories well enough. They don't tell stories of people like myself. Um, I think if you did that, then I think that would be more welcoming because I don't think the issue is that, minorities can't afford to, to be in gyms. I don't think that you have to give away free things to want to be more welcoming to people. So I think 
there's a little bit of that, but not not in the way that that was initially responded. When all this stuff jumped off, and with 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 Greg and everyone's like, oh, there's no, oh, well, there is diversity. It's just not shown. Um, is there a lack of it? Uh, yeah, but there's so many different factors. Yeah, like, you can't tell me someone who has a gym in Philadelphia versus someone in like Iowa or New Hampshire. It's going to be different, man. Your demographics are just different. But if people market more towards just everyone, I think that uh, I think that would help. Yeah. So, you know, it, it sounds like what I'm hearing you say, and this is something that that I have tried to communicate to people for a while is like there's a distinction between, you know, the methodology and, and each individual affiliate and their communities and maybe like the practical aspect of how things are applied. Right. So. The methodology is about as colorblind as you can get. I mean, all it cares about is, you know, your fitness, right? Work capacity. So the work capacity doesn't care if you're male, female, you know, white, black, Asian. It doesn't, it doesn't care about young, old. It doesn't have any sort of uh, segregation across those lines, right? Right. And the communities are, are almost always representative of, you know, a couple of square miles around them. Like I was an affiliate owner for five years in LA and uh, we were in, we were a suburb of LA called Glendale. Glendale is, is the largest Armenian population outside of Armenia, like outside the capital of Armenia, the largest Armenian population is in Glendale, California. Seriously. So, yeah, it's crazy. Right. And so <laughs> our, our membership was probably mm, 55, 45 female to male. And it was, if I had to break down our, uh, like, you know, the ethnicity or the race of, of our members, the smallest group were white people. It was mostly Armenians or Indians or Filipino uh, because we were in like downtown and there's, you know, Yellow Pages had offices there, Yahoo had offices there. So it was basically all the engineers that are coming in to work out. And, you know, it's like accountants, engineers, and, and young professionals. So it was mostly Armenians or Indians or people who are working in that area. So there's, there's a representation of that footprint. And I think that's common across the board. It's just really easy to, like you said, point out the gym in, in Montana and be like, why aren't there enough? Like, why isn't there other people of color in this gym? It's like, I don't know. There's three black people in the entire city. In the like, state. You know? <laughs> the entire state. <laughs> like they're, they're, they just, they're not within driving distance of my gym. I don't know what you want me to say. Um, but also that, that aspect of, you know, the stories aren't actively being told, right? And that makes a lot of sense to me because there is and are and will continue to be lots of stories that are relatable to various sort of segments of the population. And it, it isn't, it, you're like, you're not serving those segments of the population very well if you're not telling stories that they can relate to. And while everyone can relate to like, man, Matt is the fittest on earth. T is the fittest on earth. Like all of us do burpees and they just do them way faster than we do. That's crazy. But it helps, like you said, to see people that, you know, look like you or might have same experiences you have talking about, um, you know, this whole Greg Glassman thing, right? So what do you know, Greg, you, you've, you've spoken to him a couple of times. I've, I've spoken to him on two occasions. Um, one being a Zoom conference. And at that time, it was like meeting God for me. Um, <laughs> and then he actually called me after the whole like tweet situation happened. He actually called me um, and, and 
wanted me to know his position. Um, he apologized to me a ton of times, which I told him he didn't necessarily owe me an apology. But um, just from the brief interaction I had with him, um, I was a little shocked at some of the stuff that came out. But he's always said outlandish shit. That's kind of how he made CrossFit what it is, is he's kind of been that, that guy in the room that says, you know, whatever. And um, I think, unfortunately, this time, um, he went a little too far and I had to pay consequences for it in this very sensitive time in, in the nation where everything that you say, people are looking for a way to shoot darts at you. Everyone's sensitive about literally everything. I could post a picture of this water bottle and there's going to be somebody that tells me that I shouldn't be using water bottles and they'll vilify me. Like, so, and then we talk about the issue of anything that could be deemed as racism. Well, I, as you can see right now, they are burning that down. And unfortunately, Greg was a, a, a casualty of the moment, man. Um, and that dude has been instrumental in me changing my life. Um, so I've had mixed emotions about it the whole time because I personally don't believe he's a racist. Now, some of the other stuff that came out and that was happening, I have no idea. Um, you know, I, I, I know some people that are in HQ and they're really, really great people. Um, but as far as me believing, you know, that he was, you know, that he's a racist or this picture they tried to, I mean, the fact that he, I was in prison and he had to okay all the things that happened um, in order for me to be where I am right now, I would be dead or still in prison right now, or probably still in the street selling drugs if it wasn't for uh, Greg Glassman. But an extension of that would be the CrossFit community. But without Greg kind of letting me in, um, and 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 being proactive, uh, I, I don't think I'd be here, man. So I'm kind of, I think my perspective is a little bit different. Yeah, and that that that's uh, that to me is really interesting. You know, both you and Jordan made the same point to explicitly say like, I don't think Greg Glassman is a racist. And in, I've had uh, a few conversations with Greg. Uh, I've had more interaction with him in the past couple of years than I had in the first like 10 years that I was doing CrossFit. And in my experience, Greg is a lot of things. Uh, he's brash. <laughs> he can be rude. Yes. He's very outspoken. And he does not, uh, he does not hide his feelings or mince his words when he, when he tells you what he's thinking. And uh, never in any of those experiences have I found him to be racist. I feel like that would have come out a lot faster and a lot sooner as the guy just doesn't filter his thoughts. Right. So, you know, that, that, that rings true to me. Like your, your read of the situation feels similar to my read of the situation as well. And I wonder a little bit about, you know, you look at this backlash, like, and the, you know, Greg steps aside selling the company dave's the ceo now and then now eric rosa's you know priming himself up to be the ceo once the sale completes all of that happening amidst like 1300 affiliates or 1400 affiliates or whatever it is just you know outright saying we don't want to be a part of this anymore as long as greg's here um and everything else going on in in the the world between COVID nineteen and in the states between all this uh you know all the all the the racial injustice you know protests and stuff the context is like a fucking powder keg man it became so like the entire situation was so uh, imbalanced and just ready for something to topple it yeah um, 
how how are you feeling about what this last like five or six weeks have been like you know june was june was basically five years worth of time in terms of <laughs> what was going on like every other day it was this big cocktail thing <laughs> well i mean i haven't even had time really to absorb everything that's happening because it seems like every day there's some change or something happening um at first with you know with dave taking over i don't know dave um i know that he's he loves crossfit as much as anyone else um and i think that if he were the permanent ceo he would he would do his job and you know but i, I don't know the gentleman that, that will be taking over um, i'm hoping that they'll keep up the methodology because that's really all that matters to me um who's at the top doesn't matter because crossfit is above and beyond whoever is the CEO of CrossFit. Um, they don't represent our gyms. They don't represent our communities. It's just a methodology and we get to use that methodology to change lives. As long as I can continue to do that, I don't care who's at the top. Um, unless it was an egregious situation, um, then I, I wouldn't wanna align myself with, with someone or a company that was taking part in something. You know, Even with me having my sketchy ass background, um, I don't take part in those types of things anymore. So I try to stay clear of all the politics of it, man. And how can I improve the community that I serve? And how can I outreach and maybe inspire someone like myself who couldn't believe in themselves and, and they're looking to do so. And I think fitness is a really good tool to unite people. Is your, is your gym membership, uh, I, was look, I was on your website, by the way. And uh, I love that your coaches, it's like you and three women. That, that to me <laughs> is so perfect. It's like such a great example of talking about how colorblind and, you know, just like demographically blind CrossFit is and can be. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, what your background is or whether you were like an elite athlete or, you know, whatever, you know, as long as you have the traits of being a good coach, you're just a good coach. And so it, it, I just found that to be really, really cool that, you know, the, the, the coaching staff on your gym's page is, is just you and three women. I think that's badass. So yeah, they, they, they topple me every day. <laughs> <laughs> they keep me, let me tell you something. Those ladies, they hold me accountable in a way that no one else can. Um, and they're my sisters. I'd go to war for them and they go to war for me. So. That's awesome. That's the way, that's the way it should be. That's absolutely the way it should be. Uh, and, you know, your, is your gym membership, you know, mostly white, mostly black, mostly female? Is there, is there like a, a, a way that, you know, you could sort of describe the demographic? Because what I'm asking in the end here is basically what was your gym's reaction or your average member's reaction to all the stuff that was going on at, uh, at HQ? Okay, so our gym is um, uniquely diverse for the area where, that we live in. Um, we have a little bit of everyone. Um, if I were to say there was, there's more women than men, and it's probably like 80% women. For whatever reason, we're like the mom gym. Um, but I've recognized that, and that's my target group. I focus on moms. We help moms get fit. Like, that's my thing. Um, I, I do really well with, like, middle-aged women. Um, and that's, there's a bunch of that here. But we have some, a little bit of everything, though. I think for, we have... It, if when it comes to males, um, we have obviously black, Hispanic, um, 
and and same with women but i think we're probably 60 ish percent white but if you look at the area where we live i think it's under 10 percent black here in this city um there's a higher hispanic um demographic here but we we do have you know some some of that descent as well um but we're pretty we're pretty we're pretty diverse man um i'm and i'm proud of that i'm not ashamed of that um i think the initial reaction is i sat on it so while everyone was uh busy you know posting the black squares and then eventually vilifying greg and having their eloquent speeches about why they wanted to defiliate and rightfully so i mean i'm not saying that they shouldn't um i just kind of because i was caught off guard and i had literally just done a podcast with or a zoom interview with greg and sevi a week before and i was still riding off of the high of that um and and even struggling with like oh can i keep my doors open will i go bankrupt because i am a small gym we're only in year two and this is a setback um so processing all that i just i wanted to i wanted to think about what i wanted to say and there was some pushback from some of my members and i would say my my african-american members in particular um with me not initially giving a broad sweeping statement of hey i'm gonna de-affiliate and well but i didn't want to feel pressured to say something or do what everyone else was doing um and, and like i said my 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 relationship with crossfit is a little bit different than my members um everyone's been bitten by a bu- bitten by the bug and have that that experience but crossfit has done a lot for me and greg has done a lot for me so I waited um, and I saw what everyone else was doing. And then I decided, um, I, I gave my statement um, and I decided not to de-affiliate because CrossFit is so much more than the person in charge saying something stupid on Twitter. And right now there's so much division and people are looking at ways to stay divided or to divide and conquer people. And I just didn't want to take part in that. I didn't want to be caught in the moment of doing this thing that could potentially harm my business and myself and my staff and my members we all love the methodology of crossfit so now i'm gonna pretend like this isn't crossfit um and backdoor still use the methodology i didn't think that that was fair um and i didn't necessarily agree with what was being said about greg when it came to the racist stuff so i didn't feel compelled to act and to me to him or you know to to be that mob (laughs) coming out to, with, with my torches and pitchforks after him. Um, he did call me, man, and he apologized to me and explained his position. I didn't necessarily agree with his position or what he was trying to say. Um, I understood it. But I'm someone who I, I certainly, if I can't forgive someone with all the things that I've done, man, I'm living in a glass house, brother. So I, I'm not throwing no stones. I mean, unless, like I said, there's things that you could do that you shouldn't be forgiven for. I, I understand that. But certainly that wasn't one of them and i didn't think that that was it would be a wise decision for me to just join everyone else i took a few days to sit on it and think about it after hearing everyone else's eloquent speeches and the reasons why they were doing it and like i said i i, I they have a right to do that this is america you know feel free to exercise your right you got to do what's best to serve your gym i think there were other things other reasons people were motivated and de-affiliated and that was just like the thing that everyone could say, all right, this is it. When I think there's been like a slow buildup over time. Yeah. 
Did you, during those couple days or a few days that you were sort of thinking it over and sitting on it and trying to see what, what everyone else was doing and come to terms with sort of how you're feeling about it, I'm sure, did you have to have, you know, these like more sort of tough or vulnerable conversations with your members about, hey guys, like this is why I'm waiting. This is why I need to think this through. And if you did, did they understand or did they accept your, your reasoning behind that? Or, or was it just more um, a call to action? Like just show us something. Well, I think for most people, they just saw that everyone was doing something um, and they wanted to know what direction we were headed in just for, because it's, like I said, it's a very small family oriented gym. And I know every gym is family oriented, especially in what we do, but this is a very small, under 50 members. Um, everyone knows each other. Everyone hangs out. So people just want to know about the day-to-day -day of the gym in general. Like, God forbid I change the brand of water or I don't have the right fit aid in. There's going to be some pushback because everyone feels, you know, connected to the gym. It's a, it's a very weird, well, it's not weird when you think about it, but it's just, it's a little bit different. So I had some awkward conversations with my, with my staff in particular, because they just wanted to know like, hey, so-and-so's reached out to me. Like, I, we haven't given out a statement. Like, can you? I said, well, give me a second because I don't want to act off my emotions. Um, I've been guilty of acting off my emotions and I don't know, they usually led me to go to prison. So I don't want <laughs> to go back to prison. And, and prison can be a mental thing and more than just a physical thing, right? So yeah, there was, there were some awkward conversations, but I've had far more conversations with people in general when it comes to this whole, not even the, the CrossFit subject, just like race in America and times. I think the podcast I did with Sevi has like propelled me to speak to other people. Um, as people have reached out because I have a unique perspective um, and, and that's been really cool. Um, and a little bit tiresome at times because I can't speak for everyone that looks like me. I can only speak from my experience. But the fact that people are really willing to listen, um, man, it's pretty cool. I never thought that – so I always judge myself from my past. And I was always reluctant to talk about it, um, it whether it was people that I, you know, that I may have dated, friendships, people that I worked out with. But once I actually spoke to people – um, no one really gave a damn about my past or what I did. People were, people are less judgmental than you would think unless you follow what happens on social media. So when I shared my story with Sevi, I wasn't sure of how people would take it, but man, it's been like overwhelming support where people have reached out to me in the CrossFit community in Australia and in Canada and, you know, all over the country. And I've been invited to speak to people like you kind of because of that man I think it's it's really cool that we're all having these conversations I'm just I can't wait to see what the action is going to look like you know yeah so the, there's there's two there's two paths I want to go down based off of what you just said one is the fact that you've been able to speak to affiliates and other business owners in the space uh, about sort of this entire topic, you know, I think you were on the the beyond the whiteboard. Uh, they had sort of like a panel that you were a part of there. Um, so I definitely want to talk a little bit about that. I want to hear what your thoughts were and experience were with that. But I also, I'd I'd love to dive into you know sort of what what is coming next in CrossFit. I mean, we there's so much uncertainty. Like you know, we can't 
we there's no way of knowing and you know i i haven't really i haven't really talked about this on the channel but like you know we've interacted with greg probably more than most people have right and uh in general i think we both know that he can he he has he he runs to the beat of his own drum i think is a great way of describing that yes. and until the ink is dry on this eric rosa deal i am i don't think anybody should be holding their breath for an expected outcome cuz god knows that there's there's always the possibility that some gigantic group comes in with a huge check and it's just like we'll pay you cash x y or z if you just sell it to us instead of to Eric Rosa and Greg could just be having either like a really bad day or a really good day and just think, you know what, I'm leaving regardless. Let's take a billion dollars and walk away or whatever that ends up being. Yeah. So that's, that's my take on the whole, like, what's the future going to look like? Well, we don't even know. We don't know. Dry. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even know until the ink is dry. We don't even know. So those, those are the two angles. I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. You know, what was the experience like speaking to, uh, you know, being a part of like that beyond the whiteboard, uh, panel and speaking to other owners and affiliate owners and business owners in the space about what this entire situation has been like. And then what would you want to see coming up in the future? What types of things do you think would actually be impactful and and measurable in terms of forward progress? So <clears throat> with the Beyond the Whiteboard panel, uh, was essentially able to meet and greet uh, other affiliate owners around the country. Um, and we all kind of we're chatting more or less about our experiences, you know, during COVID, reopening the gyms, um, and, and then how we were tackling the issue of what happened with Greg. And as it was like in real time happening, um, because then someone within the podcast was like, or with, within the interview was saying, the panel, uh, hey, did you guys hear what happened over in, in New York? And I'm like, what, what ha what's going on? There was like all these changes happened in real time as we literally were in the middle of it and that information's coming in and then we tried to stay on topic. But I think I got the opportunity to kind of share a little bit of my story as I'm doing here with you and I've done with Sevy and some others. Um, and then to hear a lot of their feedback on it and their thoughts was, I mean, it was, it was pretty great. And then to hear their experiences of, you know, how they came to be and what they were doing in their gyms and how they wanted to address the issue or the perceived issue of lack of diversity. Um, I think it was very spirited. And I, I, I think that all the affiliate, affiliate owners on that panel really care about their individual boxes. They all really care about CrossFit. Um, and I think they all were planning to stay affiliated at that time. Um, I don't know if anything's changed. There were a couple that were on the fence, but I think for the most part, it sounded like everyone was gonna stay because they wanted to see what was next. So which leads into your next, question man um one i don't know what to expect because it is greg glassman still um <laughs> uh but two i would i wish that they would go back to telling all the great stories that they used to tell with the media team because as an affiliate owner those were our best marketing tools because all those stories identified with people out in the community that we can serve and then they took that away and they opted into plastic jugs milk jugs and stripy couch uh videos <laughs> and understand why but that took the place of something it's been the storytelling of crossfit that brings people in and the media team and i know some of those guys and girls um they did a really great job of finding unique stories 
and, and putting that information out there for people to see and people could identify. So I think a lot of people came in to CrossFit because of some of that. And then you take that marketing tool away from affiliate owners and now no one cares about the word CrossFit. Like, let's be, if I started doing Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies and just said, hey, this is CrossFit, people would, you know, th the average person, they have no idea, they'd do it. It's just movement. Um, it's, it is the stories about community and how the bug bit you and how it changed your life. So when they stopped telling those stories to people for us and, and kind of put that on some of us who maybe didn't have the capacity to do that, um, I think it was terrible. Even some of the things that they did, you know, with, I don't know, regionals. That was something that people look forward to going and attending those events. You can meet great people. You get, you get to see the athletes because everybody can't make it to Madison every year. Um, but everyone maybe thinks that they have an opportunity or there's a member that they think's a fire breather and can go. And then you kind of wipe that out and, and, and take that, that away. Um, not that I'm clamoring for that to go back. Um, certainly smarter people will make those decisions, but if there was anything I would want to see, I, I wish that they would just go back to telling all these awesome stories and letting people know how awesome CrossFit is and how it could help change your life. Or I should say how awesome the community that is CrossFit is. And every affiliate owner really does care about their members. They really do care about the sport. They really do care about changing lives. I've never met an affiliate owner that hated what they did, even if they don't make a lot of money, because to be honest, most of us don't make anything. It's literally just this thing that, that, that we found. Um, it's helped change our lives. And then we get the ability to do that with other people. Yeah, that I think that's really well well said. That that was my experience as an affiliate owner. Uh, I loved to teach. I loved to see, you know, new members and our you know people become really close friends. Some of my closest friends are uh, you know people who walked into the gym as complete strangers and then spent years with me, either like way too early in the morning or uh, way too late in the evening, just you know learning how to do cleans or figuring out that they actually are capable of running a fast mile or that they can do a pull-up for the first time in their life. And, and that type of experience, being a part of that is incredibly positive. And, uh, you know, the financial aspect of owning a gym is, I don't know, thin is probably a good way of describing it. Like the margins are paper thin. You know, if you can, if you can have a staff and actually support your staff and, you know, be able to pay your bills, you're probably one of the more successful gyms in the world. Yes, agreed. And uh, I think I think you're right. I think most of the most of the time when you're looking at this idea, it's like it, it would be cliche to call it a labor of love because that just sounds so <laughs> dumb and lame. But it kind of is it like kinda is, yeah. that you do because you you really enjoy it and you see the positivity it brings, and uh, you know you just kind of deal with it that way. Um. All right. So I I do have to ask about Batman now. Though we've talked about all the. Let's 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 move to something more fun. Now I texted you like yesterday. I texted you yesterday and I was like, Corey, are you excited about the Snyder cut of of uh Justice League that's coming out? They're gonna add dark side, it's gonna be like 40 minutes longer, and and I feel like I blew your mind. Yes, you did. <laughs> and and because man, as much as I grew up and loving, you know, Batman and comics in general, I I used to be a comic book nerd. I used to get chased home from school and bullied on. I was like square peg trying to fit in. Like I was all through middle school. Comics were my jam. Um, I even tried to, I had a period of trying to draw and create my own comics. Um, Batman was always the one that I identified with the most. He's like the most down to earth of all the superheroes, I think. Um, although someone gave me a really good compelling argument about Green Lantern. 
Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think you, when you said that, and with me being, man, I've been so busy, bro. And I know everyone says that, but like the last couple of years of owning a business, I literally have no life. Um, I, I'm very fortunate if I could go enjoy an IPA every now and then, um, because I work probably 18 or 20 hours most days. If it's just managing, putting on the fire, you know, the day-to-days, lead generation, because I don't have much of a staff outside of my coaches, um, you know, doing the cleaning, um, members have issues coming up, billing issues, processing payments, marketing, like all the things, all the hats that I wear, I'm not well kept up. I have no idea what's going on out in the country unless I see it on Facebook because I'm like checking our business profile and stuff just pops up on my feed. So when you said that, I was like, what? First, my first, I think my first response was Snyder, question mark. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you kind of went in. I'm like, oh my God, like I didn't know that that was a thing. So yeah, you totally, you totally blew my mind. And now I am excited. And I hope that, uh, I don't hope that things die down because I've been really busy. And that's actually a good thing after a few months of nothing going on. Um, but I would, I look forward to seeing it and checking it out. But Batman, that's my guy, man. Do you have a favorite? I mean, we've had we've had some very iconic Batmans in the past thirty years. Do you have a favorite? I hate Ben Affleck. So <laughs> let me start there. <laughs> Christian yeah. Bale wasn't bad. Okay. Okay. Um, and and West is the original. I mean, you can't yeah, yeah. go wrong there. But Michael Keaton is my favorite Batman. My man. Dude, okay, so wait, why, do you hate, why do you hate Ben Affleck? Why do you hate the Batfleck? I hate this. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> he just doesn't, I feel like he just doesn't fit, or maybe it's the scripts are terrible, um, but he just. It could probably be the scripts, dude. Those were, those were some pretty awful pretty, scripts. Yeah, um, and even like the Batman versus Superman, and like I, I just, I didn't Tell love me. it. Do you bleed? <laughs> oh my God, it's terrible. <laughs> It was terrible, and so like maybe we could blame it on the. I like Ben Affleck in other movies. Yeah. Um, but as Batman, um, yeah, he's not, he's not necessarily one of my favorite. He's probably my least favorite out of all of them. Fair enough. I think I I I think Christian Bale was really good. George Clooney was terrible, but those are movies were super campy and like cartoony. So yeah. I guess it makes sense. Uh. Michael Keaton, dude, was such a good Batman. Here's another thing that I now that now that I know you don't keep up with this type of news, I just I'm so excited. Are you going to tell me that he's coming back for an older version? Because I've heard this already. They are, yeah, yeah. They're bringing him back for the Flash movie. Apparently, I'm super excited about that. And I hear, I hear they're also potentially bringing him back to do a Batman Beyond movie. You remember that old cartoon Batman Beyond? There's like Batman and the you know. Terry McGinnis as as the new Batman. Uh, I hear that that's a, that's what they're gonna do. They're they're gonna bring Michael Keaton back as the old Batman. I think that's genius. He, he should have done all of the Batman movies. Like he he should have been the guy. Yeah. Um. All this time, <laughs> even though he's old, and I, I yeah. just he played the role. He fits like what you would expect Bruce Wayne. If you didn't know, if you've never seen a Batman movie, and you just you read comics and what you learn about Bruce Wayne, man, Michael Keaton just feels like he's Bruce Wayne. You actually could believe that he's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, just he like Robert Downey Jr. 
Like, who else could play Tony Stark? Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I wish that something similar would have happened for, for Michael Keaton and he would have kept doing it. But, I mean, I, he's pretty well off. So, yeah. <laughs> like, he, he needed the money. He could also, I mean, if they ever really did, if they ever really did a version of The Dark Knight, you know, old, grizzled, angry Batman, he could probably pull that off pretty well. I mean, yes. they tried to do that look with Ben Affleck, but he's just not old enough. Like, he's not old and grizzled enough. But Michael Keaton is probably 10 or 15 years older than Ben Affleck, at least. So he probably could pull that off in, in, in a very admirable manner. Something I'd like to see. I will say he played a really good Daredevil, though. And that wasn't the greatest movie, but he did a good job with Daredevil. He should be Daredevil. Yeah, Ben Affleck should just stick to Daredevil. That's, stick that's to Daredevil. Fair. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. It's, it, is, it, it is not very often that I get to, to talk comic book movies uh, on like the more serious types of stuff that I do. The other, like my, one of my podcast scales needed, we talk almost exclusively about everything but CrossFit. So yeah, those are, that's, that's, the, that's the fun conversations for sure. It's, it's pretty dope to, to get a chance to touch base with that. Uh, I, I really appreciate your time, Corey. It's been really dope talking to you, man. Um, if people want to learn more about what you're doing or, you know, maybe connect with you on social media or something like, how's the best way for them to do that? Well, I'm Corey Allen on any, well, if you're looking for me on Instagram, it's Batcave under, underscore Corey. I'm on Facebook. It's just Corey Allen. Um, and then I do have a podcast, but it's on Buzzsprout. I could like shoot you a link if you wanted to. Um, yeah. But I just I just like figured out how to upload my first episode. Actually, it's on YouTube if you go to a, a part of it. Um, and if you look up the Corey Allen podcast on YouTube, episode one, a, a, a portion of it, because I didn't know that you couldn't upload more than 15 minutes. Um, so maybe you could even help me out with this, bro. Yeah, I, I might have course. to text you. Um, but yeah, so people can find me that way, man. Um, and even on the website, my information, my contact information is on there. I'm a public figure. So hit me up. You want to chat? We could talk Batman. We could talk fitness. We could talk CrossFit um, or life in general, man. I'm always open. Have you seen, have you seen that? Uh, I, it must be a Wikipedia article about like Batman's fitness, like how fit Bruce Wayne is. Yes. Yeah. How, ridic how, how clear is it that someone who has never, ever done any sort of fitness wrote all those numbers out? very clear it's like it's like oh well he's been known to either bench or deadlift a thousand a thousand pounds, pounds. Like, yeah <laughs> who does that right because he's now if we were talking one of the other superheroes maybe but if they know anything about batman he's just a regular dude um yeah. and that, that's what i love about his story and why i could identify with it is because i had some trauma i had some dark experiences growing up and he was really relatable um, and then I named my gym Batcave because this is kind of my haven, my safe haven away from the world um, to get away from judgments, to get away from drama um, and just come do work, man. Come work hard. So all my members out there kind of they gravitate toward it. It's an old warehouse building, nice old brick. It kind of looks like a cave. It's all dark. My colors are black and red. Um, and I mean, it's great, man. I, I am all things Batman, as you can see. I love it, dude. I love it very much. Thank you very much, Corey. I appreciate it, dude. Uh, good luck in the future, man. Thank you, Armin. I'm definitely going to hit you up about this YouTube issue because I, it's driving I am, me crazy. I am absolutely here to help. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you for having me. Take care, man.